Welcome, welcome, welcome to Chromatic Distortion with Corey Caesar. Let's do it. going on everybody welcome back to chromatic distortion i'm your host that diseased free corona free std free Corey caesar this is episode 53 i hope you guys are enjoying your uh your government mandated house arrest that's what it feels like as we keep uh itching further into the future um and i, and I fucked up guys i mean I, I guess that's what you can call it if that's what you want to say but i broke that quarantine and i and i broke them social distancing laws for the holiday Monday. Um, and I went and visited my boy for a session because I'm a fucking rebel. And uh, I'm tired of this shit, tired of being locked in my house. Um, now, before before you turn me into the authorities like a good little Nazi, before you start calling my fucking congressman, sending fucking pictures to the gov- uh, to the mayor of New York, you know, sh- uh, uh, showing me not social distancing, I'm way more likely to get the Kung flu from my boy than I ever would be to give it to him, all right? Um, and and I'm, in reality, in zero danger of giving it to anybody. I live alone with my cat. Um, and I haven't seen my parents for, or my grandma for over a month. Probably going to go see my grandma hopefully this weekend. We'll stay outside if it's nice out um, on the porch. But uh, it's just me and my cat here. So, so unless I'm going to give it to my cat, that's about it. And crazily enough, according to... Uh, According to the CDC yesterday at the at the conference, the little Corona conference, uh, animals can now, anim, uh, animals, some house pets are starting to test positive for the Rona, which I already know what's going to happen. This is the fucking problem. So apparently, um, if you guys have been paying attention, uh, um, what are they called? Fucking, uh, I was going to say zoos, but that's just, sorry guys, I'm blanking, dude. My brain's on fucking fried right now, it seems like. Uh, shelters, you know, animal shelters, they're pretty empty right now. It's people who have been coming in in droves and adopting pets, and that's awesome. I, I've, I've had my reservations originally when I heard that story. I was like, man, it's, it's cool, but when this whole thing's over, are these same people just going to get rid of their cats because they're, they're no longer bored or their dogs because they're no longer bored, right? So are all these animals going to be then put back into shelters once they're, you know, um, but I already know what's going to happen now because everyone's so fucking paranoid. Everyone's so fucking scared of their own shadow. I mean, they got everyone so fucking freaked out that if you walk outside, you're going to die. Except that the death, you know, that the survival rate's like super high comparative to the death rate. It's like amazingly high. Um, but you know, but to, but to them, it's like you walk outside and everyone's just going to die. Like the whole fucking country is just going to fall over at once and we're all just going to perish. And that's how scary this is to them. Um, so I already know what's going to fucking happen. All these par- paranoid fucking jokers, they're going to fucking kick their animals out of their house. That's how fucking dumb some people are. And I already know what's going to happen. You already know it's going to happen. So, uh, and, and I'm just whole confused by the, by this whole thing because uh, uh, Dr. Fauci, that joker, he was up uh, he was up yesterday and he was, you know, they asked him the question about it. And he's like, look, there's, there's, there's no, uh, <laughs> there's no, there's no uh, inclination that 
an animal can transfer it to you, that it's spreadable via animal to human transmission, right? But that whole thing just does not add up to me because they're also saying on the other side of their mouth that they believe this came from an animal in a lab in Wuhan and that it transferred from that bat or from an anteater was the last I heard to a human scientist who then went to the wet market and transferred it to the other people. So which one is it? I mean, think about how fucking retarded that sounds, right? You're telling me it could have it came from a bat, most likely, animal to human transmission. But now you're like, nah, can't transmit from a from an animal to a to a human. Do you guys follow this logically? Um, the, these logical inconsistencies, right? There's a lot of inconsistencies inconsistencies here in these stories. I don't know what to believe. I don't. First of all, I don't ever trust my fucking government. I don't trust my government. Whatever they fucking tell me, I do not trust it at all. Zero, zero trust in my government. Um, but, you know, so that's where we're at. And I, I'm just, I'm just hoping that people don't fucking panic when they hear that now and start kicking their fucking animals out into the, out into the streets because they might get the fucking Rona lung and everyone's going to die now from their animals, right? That's the next thing you're going to start seeing. Watch. Um, so other than that, man, this week's been pretty uneventful. Um, last Friday, I was at a house party also, I guess, so, you know, what, whatever. Um, but the house party was digital. And um, so that's it's kind of a funny story. My, my boy, uh, we were going to get together for that Monday session. We were all going to get together, you know, via via teleconference. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, my wife, you know, my wife's been using this thing called House Party, this app called House Party um, with her girlfriends every night pretty much drinking some wine and shit. He's like, we, why don't we try that? And I'm like, cool, yeah, no big deal. So Friday afternoon, he sent me a link. And uh, so Friday after, uh, Friday night, I was like, you know what? Let me get this thing set up because I don't want to, I hate being that guy that's like, all right, let's 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 get together. And then all of a sudden, now I'm downloading the app, right? And trying to set it up and shit. So I was like, let me just set this bitch, bitch up. I got a minute or two. So I started setting it up. And next thing I know, man, you know, it's telling me, connect my Snapchat, connect my Facebook. It's like, whatever. Um, they monitoring us anyway. And then, and then boom, next thing I know, my, my boy, he's literally on my screen and he's like, what's up? And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, uh, what's going on? I'm like, how, how did you, how did you join me? He's like, I don't know. It's just like, I got a little ding on my phone. I picked it up. And next thing I know you were there and I'm like, man, how weird, you know, I'm like, it's Friday night. You know, I haven't really showered, put it that way. You know, so my hair and I got long hair right now. My hair is fucking all over the place. Um, and I was just in a spot where I wasn't ready to be talking to people. But, you know, I haven't seen my boy for a little bit. So I was like, ah, what's up? Yeah, you know, we start shooting the shit a little bit. Um, I sit down on my couch, have a little session, um, talking to his little boy. Um, his wife comes on. We talk to her for a second. And then it's just me and him. We're having, like, this personal conversation. Like I said, we haven't seen each other. It's my best friend. Let me put it that way. I've known this kid since, since grade school. Um, so, we, you know, we're just having a private conversation back and forth. And next thing you know, this girl we know, she pops into our conversation just out of nowhere, just pop up. We're like, well, me and him are both kind of like looking at each other like, what the fuck? And so we're acting kind of weird and strange. And she's like, what are you guys doing? She's like, you guys are acting all weird. It's like, why wouldn't you guys just be, why wouldn't you guys just be on FaceTime? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's the same concept, right? It's just a video. But I didn't say that, but this is what I'm thinking, right? So the next thing I know, another friend joins us. And we're all like, we're kind of, we're not really quiet, but we're just taken aback, I guess would be the the right word for it. Couldn't figure out, you know, so we're acting kind of weird. She's like, you guys are acting weird, da-da-da, whatever, blah, blah, blah. 
So they so they cut off. We finally we we get out. We stayed up, spent about an hour on this app, probably an hour and a half maybe. Get off. So I Google it. Well, it turns out me and my boy we're the weird ones. We're the goofy fucking jokers, right? We're the assholes because that's the whole fucking concept of this app. It's a house party. So what you do is you come into the house, you open the app, and now you're at a house party. So, you know, at a house party, there might be three people talking over here in this corner. There might be a dude uh, or, or a female or a gender neutral sitting on the couch by themselves. You could, uh, you know, there might be a group, um, you know, taking some beer bong shots, uh, playing, uh, uh, you know, taking some hits from the bong, whatever, in the other room. So then, so then obviously, if I walk into this house party, any Joe Schmo that's in this party can come up and talk to me and vice versa. I can walk up to any group I want and talk to them. So that's the whole premise of this app. And I was like, oh, we were the assholes. So uh, that's a pretty cool app. That's what we're going to. Um, so I've, I've used it a couple times since then. Now that I understand the concept. But then we also, we could lock the room, figured out how to lock the room. So we kind of got in and locked the room and they were kind of mad at us the next day. They're like, why are you guys locking the room for like an hour? What are, what are you guys doing? It's like, man, we're just trying to have a conversation privately for a few minutes. We don't want just anybody, you know, popping in on us. Um, so that's kind of a cool. I don't know how I feel about these apps. I mean, I think it's a cool idea, but I don't want people to get normalized by this, right? To be normalized with not having to leave your home to see people. We could just interact with everybody online. I think it's very dangerous for us as a society. Um, and we're going to normalize this. As long as this goes, that's going to be more normalized. That's not going to go away when this quarantine ends. I guarantee it. There's going to be a lot of house parties, but people don't ever leave their house. They just sit at home drinking their fucking alcoholics by themselves in reality, right? Um, and I don't really drink much, but I just bought myself a, a I just bought myself a little half gallon. I'm gonna start I'm gonna start getting in on the weekends. I'm gonna start having me a, a, a drink or two just to kind of fucking make this time pass a little bit. Um, and speaking of video video conference, I, I actually attend this how nerdy I am, guys. So Tuesday, Tuesday I was going to record this podcast. It's Thursday now, the 23rd. Um, this will probably come out Friday. Um, but Tuesday I was going to, I sat down to record, but I didn't have much time. So I didn't get through the episode, so I just scrapped it. Um, because I, <laughs> that's how nerdy I am, man. I, I attended a two-hour Oxford debate via Zoom. Right. And it's not, I just didn't, I just didn't attend this debate. I actually paid to attend this debate. Um, if you don't know what Oxford style debate is, basically you get a resolution, um, which says like, I believe this, 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 and this should happen, whatever. There's someone who argues in the affirmative, someone who argues in the negative before the debate happens, the people attending get to, uh, um, get the vote on how they feel. Yes, no, or undecided. When the debate's over, you cast your vote again, and whoever moved the most percentage of people um, wins the debate. If that makes sense. So if you bring, you, I mean, you could bring two people over and still win the debate technically, because the other person then lost two people. Does that make sense? Um, or even just bring a couple undecideds to you, you can then win the debate, even though you can technically have the. So I can still have like sixty percent believe that it's yes. And you could be at 40%, but you can technically still win the debate because you brought more people to your 40. You might have started off at 35, and I might start off at 65. So does that make sense? So that's how an Oxford-style debate works. Um, and these are put on um, by the Soho Forum. I, I recommend everyone just check that out for some education. The Soho Forum, these are great debates. They're put on by my, um, by my one of my favorite living economists, Gene Epstein. Uh, and he does this from the Soho Forum in New York. And obviously... You, you can't have any 
group gathering. So this was the first one they did online, and it was really good. I hope they uh, hope they keep continuing these because I'll keep joining them. Um, I usually watch them after the fact. It takes days, though, sometimes weeks before they come out. Um, so it was great to see it kind of live. Now, uh, before I get too deep into this episode, I'm already 12 minutes in on a fucking intro, but uh, I, I need to make an apology. I need to make an apology for last episode. Um, apparently, I said something offensive. And some some people I, I think are, are, are offended because um, I, I referenced some people, some some groups of individuals as the K-word. You might be like, what the fuck's the K-word? Same, it's the same thing I same thing I had at first. Uh, that's right. I called you snitch bitches fucking Karens. I actually called you Karens and Brads. But this is just about Karens because, I mean, leave it, leave it to a fucking Karen to get offended, right? Um, now, this is a real meme and a tweet that, that's being spread all over the internet. And I've seen it in, uh, a few articles now who are actually throwing this idea out as feelers to see if the sheep will run with it. So you guys realize this is what they do. Someone makes some fucking idiotic, moronic fucking statement. And then you get these fucking ultra, I don't even want to say this, man, this, these ultra left and ultra right, it happens the same, but it happens a lot more on the left, where they throw these outrageous claims out that they're like soup, they're super upset, outragedly at level 10, right? And, uh, and then what happens is a few media outlets pick up this story, they run it, and they throw a few feelers out. They'll throw three or four little um, articles out. Now, the big publications like the CNNs, NBC, they won't really touch it yet. They wait for these littler publications to kind of throw it out, and they see their feelers. They're seeing how people react. So if more memes start getting made, if more people start discussing it, then they'll pick up the story, and they'll run with it. They'll run with it like this is what society is talking about, and they'll change fucking society this way. This is how they manipulate people. So this person, this is no fucking bullshit, right? So here's the meme. The meme, first off, just has a has a blonde-haired looking uh, Nancy Grace type type lady on the front, and it says, "Dear millennials, that's right, you millennials. This is all you guys, right? You millennials, dear millennials, stop saying Karen. Karen is a sexist." and racist term equivalent to the N-word for white women. Calling a woman Karen is an attempt to get rid of women's rights to stand up for themselves. Yep, you heard it, guys. Calling somebody a Karen is the same thing as calling a black person the N-word. That's the oppression these Karens have had over these last few weeks. So then this joker, this Emily Suavin, don't even know who she is, but she retweeted the, the meme and, and, and she wrote, you know, she had a, she confirmed it. She's like, yes, the K word is stronger than the N, N word, at least currently. So not only is it like calling a black person the N word, it's actually stronger. She's more, Karens are more oppressed than black people, apparently. Misa- misogyny and patriarchy has been around longer than slavery. Just don't use either. Okay. Wow, that's the fucking society we live in, guys. So basically what's happening with these Karens, the reason why Karens are becoming such a popular thing is, is because you guys are fucking, you guys are being good little Nazis and you're telling, like, you're literally um, calling the authorities on your neighbors. 
you know, that was a big thing in Nazi Germany. It's a big thing in Soviet Russia was the turn in your neighbors for the good of the country. Right? We're not, we hate authoritarians. Hey, how dare you not be, how dare you not listen to authority? And and that's, (laughs) you see that, you see the oxymoron there, right? But how, dude, how lost in reality do you have to be to compare calling somebody a name? Karen. It's a fucking name, bro. Right? It's a like legit uh, um, proper noun. Calling someone a fucking Karen is equivalent to calling somebody the N-word in 2020 America. This is where they want you to be. This is how they want you to act, guys. They want you to be afraid to talk. It's fucking scary, man. And this is honestly this this exact thing, this little this thing right here, and then it being spread. And I saw it posted by multiple friends, right? This is why nobody can take the left seriously. And this is why the right is running amok with our country. Nobody fucking takes you seriously when you post shit like that. Do you think that like really brings people to your cause? Except for the fucking crazy wackos? Who in their right mind is comparing calling someone Karen to the N-word? It's sexist and racist term, equivalent to the N-word for white women. Does everybody have to be a fucking victim? Why does everyone have to be a victim? This goes back to this whole pandemic thing. You want to be a victim so bad, that's why you stay in your house. Yep. I said it. You think think you're a victim. So then in your mind, if somebody goes outside, they're going to kill you. Guess what? If you don't fucking leave your house, how are you going to get it? If you stay quarantined, it doesn't matter what people do outside your home, you'll never get it. What? Yes. What? You mean they quarantine sick people normally? It's like, yeah. That's how it's worked since the beginning of time. We've quarantined sick sick people, not healthy people. Quarantining quarantining healthy people is tyranny. That's just what it is. You guys are fucking tyrants. You're the authoritarians. You're the fucking Nazis, like I've been saying for years. When when this whole fucking thing came out that, first of all, America's fascist as fuck. Our policies are fascist as fuck. So the the term is correct, right? Like when everyone got mad at Donald Trump, oh, he's a fascist, blah, 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 blah. He's going to be authoritarian. This is the end of our country. It's like, yeah, you kind of had a, you you had a, you were using it imp- improper at the time, but now is the time you can say it. But instead, instead of being like, look at all this authoritarianism, look at all this fascism we're, we're dealing with, you're like, you're accepting it. And not only are you accepting it, but you're, you're fucking pushing it further. You're doing it all for them. There's zero resistance to it. And I said all along when you guys were calling people fascists, I'm like, do you even know your policies? Like the things you run on or the things you talk about are fascist policies. You're more like a Nazi than most of the people on the right. It's the truth. I hate to fucking break your little fucking bubble. And I think you're both trash. I think the far left and the far right are trash. They're fucking trashy ass fucking people. Okay. I'll say it. Give a fuck. Um, But the people on the left are way more fucking Nazi than the people on the right. Sorry to break your bubble. Sorry to break your bubble. If you want to look at it straight policy wise, you want to think about the, the way you want to rule people the way you want um, your laws to be implemented, you're the fascists. You're the authoritarians. It's just the fucking fact, right? And shit's getting wild. 
because now we got Big Brother, right? So Big Brother was always fascist. The American um, political system has been fascist since like 1925-ish, 1913, I guess, is when you can really say it. When we brought in the Federal, federal Reserve, we started becoming fascist. Came real fascist with FDR, as we talked about last episode. Um, and, that, and it's kind of been going, progressing in that way ever since. So Big Brother's always been there. That Big Brother fascist mentality has always been around us my whole life. But now we have Little Brother also. And they're taking this whole fucking spying on citizens to a whole nother level, right? And we thought the Patriot Act was bad for civil liberties. We ain't seen shit yet. You ain't seen shit yet. You thought the Patriot Act was bad? No one? When that came out, we started spying on people, American citizens, and we started the NSA, right? Remember uh, Snowden? You know, he kind of blew the whole fucking top off on that and how much they were actually spying on us, our own government. But now we have little brother. So so you got little brother, which are the Karens and Brads snitching on their neighbors. And then you got big brother now stepping up their game, hardcore. Because once little brother steps up, then big brother gets more, uh, they get more bold, right? Because who's going to fight them back? They got the whole fucking populace now doing the exact same thing. Not only doing it, but they're doing it for them. And uh, so Big Brother's now stepping up their game hard fucking core, man. And apparently they are testing a drone, guys. You know what this drone's going to do? It's going to fucking, it's going to fly around your neighborhood to detect if you're sick or not. This is a legit story. It comes from uh, NBC News in Connecticut. Um, So I'm just going to read the article real quick. It's from... uh, like I said, uh, C, uh, NBC, Connecticut. So this ain't no off-the-wall little news publication. This is a legit story, um, and I verified. Um, so, so Westport Police, this is in Connecticut, and they're gonna be t- they're gonna be testing a pandemic drone. This is what they called it, a pandemic drone that they can monitor people's temperatures from 190 feet away and detect sneezing, coughing, and heart and breathing rates amid the COVID-19 pandemic. West Point police said they are working on a, on uh, working with Dragonfly, a drone company, to test technology in an effort to help combat the spread of fucking coronavirus. Think about this. You're going to have little fucking drones flying around your head, reading your temperature, fucking seeing if you got a little sniffle. If you cough, they're going to fucking alert, alert the authorities on you. You're not even going to be able to cough in public, guys. Think about how fucking nutty this is. Um, the state of Connecticut has 19,000 confirmed cases. Um, West Westport themselves has 197 cases. So they have under 200 cases in their entire city. And they're going to start doing this drone on people for 197 cases, guys. Um, quote, One of the major problems for cities and towns like Westport in managing and responding to a pandemic like COVID-19 virus is finding out who could be affected and how widespread the disease has spread. West Point uh, first selectman, I don't even know what that means, dude, Um, Jim Marpe uh, said, one way to do this is to look for underlining symptoms by teaming up with Dragonfly and the U." Una SA team led by defense chair of sensor systems professor Javon Call 
we are able to remotely look at valuable life-saving data and better manage current and future health emergencies. Police said the goal is to provide better health monitoring support for potential at-risk groups, including seniors, as well as gathering crowds at beaches, train stations, parks and recreation areas, and shopping centers. Police said the drone software uses biometric readings to understand population patterns and allows quicker reaction time to ongoing events to potential health threats. The program is called, you guys ready for this? Flatten the Curve Pilot Program. That's going to be the new thing. That's all you got to say is flatten the curve. Well, we any, anytime there's going to be a crisis now, they're just going to say we got to flatten the curve. And everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, I understand that. Flatten the curve, that makes sense. We flatten the curve for coronavirus. Okay, what do you need me to do? What authoritarian measures do you need me to accept? Which rights do I have to give up to flatten this curve? Whose dick do I got to suck to flatten this curve, right? Um, now, police said it will not be used in individual private yards. Sure it won't, sure it won't. And it does not use fake facial recognition technology. Sure it won't, at least not now, right? At least not now. Uh, using drone remains a go-to technology for reaching remote areas with little to no manpower required. Because of this technology, our officers will have the uh, information and quality data they need to make the best decision in any given situation. That's the important con- That's the important word in there. That's what the chief of police said there. He said, our officers will have the information and quality data they need to make the best decision in any given situation, any given situation. So if you're in a crowd, this is what's going to, this is what's going to look like. It's going to be real fun, right? You're going to be on a little walk. Um, maybe, maybe you got a little bit of a fever. Maybe you just fucking coughed. Maybe you sneezed because you got allergies. And let's say you're walking and there's a lot of people out. Let's say you're in the middle of a park. So what's going to happen is you're, you're out on this little walk. You sneeze a little bit. Next thing you know, the fucking minority report agents come flying up in their fucking black van to pull you from public because, you know, you might be sick. So welcome to America 2021, guys. Quickly becoming the most fascist fucking place on earth. And you guys love it, man. You guys are cheering it in the fucking streets, dude, right? And you're basically saying that anybody that... um. Anybody that doesn't want it, that wants to talk about civil liberties being taken away right now, it's just an alt-right Nazi, right? As you, think about it, you're calling people an alt-right Nazi, racist Nazis for caring about civil liberties while you're calling police on your neighbors. Just think about that statement for a minute. Who's the fucking Nazi in this situation? I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. It's the person calling the fucking police on their neighbors for talking to a friend in their front yard. You're the Nazi. You're the person who would happily turn in your neighbor for wearing a fucking Star of David. You're the person who would have turned in. Um, <laughs> you're the person who would who would have turned in people trying to help slaves. Uh, break out of their prisons. Yep. You understand it's the same concept, right? Like you'd have been that person. So, uh, and, and we are getting, we're getting deeper into this lockdown and, and 
uh, more and more serious consequences are resulting from this lockdown and they're kind of starting to manifest themselves. Um, we're talking about, uh, we, we've been talking about, we've already talked about um, mental health, drug and alcohol addiction. We talked about domestic violence, which are all on the rise, right? And here's another one. So this is, uh, this is super interesting here to me. Hold on, I'm pulling up the, I'm pulling up the article real quick so I can have it. All right, sorry guys. Um, this is from the UN, okay? The United Nations, right? This is what you guys all listen to the UN on climate change. So if you're, if you're a person who believes we should spend $40 trillion a year to combat climate change, you listen to the UN and you listen to the UN scientists. So you take 100, uh, 100% complete faith in the United Nations, this unelected group of fucking bureaucrats, right? You take 100% acknowledgement that they are the rulers of you. That's what you do because you run with anything they give you. You run with it. It's like the, like the WHO, same concept, the WHO. It's like, oh, well, they told us that this is happening, so it must be true, right? So this is coming from the UN. Um, and, and the UN is saying that we are on a verge of a hunger pandemic, hunger pandemic. And this is fucking scary article guys. And this was also on, uh, this was on ABC news. So it's a uh, 100% and I, and I verified it's 100% true story. Um, and this is coming from the UN food agency chief. So the head of the UN who looks at food. He claims, um, he warned Tuesday that as the world is dealing with the coronavirus pandemic, it is also, quote, on the brink of a hunger pandemic that could lead to, you guys ready for this? Remember, remember, we can't talk, we can't talk about what could happen if we all locked down. We just, we just got to fight the virus. We can't worry about the other side of the coin, right? We can't worry about what happens as a consequence to being fucking locked in our home, for 75% of the world to be locked in their home, for supply chains to be cut off, for people not to be able to produce, right? So he's saying the United Nations head of food agency warned Tuesday that, quote, multiple famines of biblical proportions are likely within a few months if immediate action isn't taken. Multiple famines of biblical proportions guys right so this is the world food program executive director david beasley he told the u.n security council that even before covid19 became an issue he was telling world leaders that 2020 would be facing the world's worst humanitarian crisis since world war ii um that's because of wars and this is from him and this ain't me now i would have said this you've heard me talk about these wars but he's saying this, and good for him. Fucking kudos to this dude. He's saying that's because the wars in Syria, Yemen, and elsewhere, there's locust swarms in Africa, the frequent natural disasters and economic crises, including um, in, in Lebanon, Congo, Sudan, and uh, uh, Ethiopia. Now, Beasley said today, 821 million people, guys, go to bed hungry every night all over the world. Think about that, 821 million. That's about three times the size, about two and a half times the size of the United States. Goes hungry. Remember I told you everything has to be in perspective? When, when you look at your, like when you're mad at a rich person, and I told you you're actually rich compared to most of the world, and so if it's a moral thing, then like you should be giving up, you know, are you willing to give up your wealth to somebody in like um, Bangladesh? 
And it's like, well, why not? Because you are one percenter to them. What your lifestyle looks like compared to their lifestyle is the same as what you look at a billionaire's lifestyle compared to yours. So if it's a moral thing, if it's all about morality and it's the right thing to do that everyone's equal in, in this in this um, in this money distribution, if you will, then you should also be giving up your money. You should have no problem giving up your money to like sub-Saharan Africa, right? Or people in Yemen who are dealing with fucking cholera and a slave trade brought on by the United States of a fucking America. Think about that, guys. You're not as moral as you think. You're just greedy. That word you hate. Everyone's greedy. These people are greedy. How greedy do you think you are? Because you don't have enough you want to take from somebody else? While you're actually doing better than most of the world? Think about how greedy you fucking are. Okay? Greed goes everywhere. It's, it's not universal. It's, it's universal. Greed's universal. It's not limited to certain people. Perspective. It's very important. Um, so 821 million people go, go to bed hungry every night. Now he claims a further 135 million people are facing, quote, crisis levels of hunger or worse. And a new, uh, a new world food program analysis shows that as a result of COVID-19, the additional 130 million people could be pushed to the brink of starvation by the end of 2020. Now, I don't know if you remember those models, but the worst models had the world losing maybe, it had to be only, if America was only going to lose about one to two million, that was the first models and that was with you didn't do nothing, right? And that was the worst case scenario. I'll, I'll throw out a, just a random number. I would say maybe, let's say 10 million, dude. I'm being probably super fucking liberal with that number. But let's say 10 million. Let's say those first models came out. 10 million people worldwide were going to die from the coronavirus. What we're talking about because of this, because of the result of the lockdowns of coronavirus, 130 million people could be pr- pushed to the brink of starvation by the end of 2020. And that's not that doesn't include the 821 million people who are already in trouble. So we've added 130 million. I don't know if you want to do the math on that, but 10 million to 130 million, big difference. Big difference. So do you still think you can only think about one thing? or, or So am I only still allowed to talk about coronavirus? Or can we talk about 130 million people that are going to fucking starve to death according to the fucking United Nations? Are we allowed now? Can we, can we at least start discussing it at some point without being called a racist or wanting everyone to fucking die? I mean, do you want 130 million people to starve to death? You'd be like, no, that's that's stupid. Who would even who would ever say that? It's like, I don't know. You were pretty much saying that the other way. Just turn it around. I always say this to people. Definitely when you see a meme, right? When you think of, when you're getting ready to share a meme, political meme, and you're like, oh, I got you. You know, oh, I got him. I got the other side. Look, look. Oh, you think this? Then I guess you th- then I guess you don't care about that, right? One of those memes, right? Like the, you see the Colin Kaepernick one lately about how kneeling. You didn't care about kneeling, but now you care about, you know, this, whatever. Flip that around on yourself. Just flip it around real quick. And if and if and if you're a hypocrite, if it goes the other way, don't post that meme. Because you can just turn it around the other way. It's like, okay, so fine. So you thought Callan Ka- Kaepernick could kneel, and that was perfectly fine. So then why can't these people protest their civil liberties being taken away? So obviously you don't think that Callan Kaepernick should have been able to fucking kneel. Because that's really what you're saying. You're saying, well, you, you know, because because you liked Colin Kaepernick, you enjoyed that part. You thought it was a good, a good reason to fucking protest. 
So just turn it around on yourself. You don't see the hypocrisy in that statement. You can literally turn it around on yourself. And that's what I always do. I go just look, you know, just look at it, look at it the other way. So then you should, if you if you thought Colin Kaepernick was cool to kneel, then you should also think it's cool to fucking protest your civil liberties being taken away. Right? It's the same fucking concept. Um so let's see where we at here on this. Sorry. Uh he said that that in a video briefing that uh that the WFP is providing food to nearly 100 million people on any given day, including about 30 million people who literally depend on us to stay alive. Um, Beasley, who's who's recovering from COVID-19 himself, right? So this is coming from a guy who got the fucking virus. He said, if those 30 million people can't be reached, our analysis showed that 300,000 people could starve to death every single day over a three-month period. 300 now now the new models say 60,000 people are going to die in America total in this entire thing but the cost of the shutdown and them not being able to get to people to give them food that they've been they've been feeding 30 million people a day their analysis show that 300,000 people per day per fucking day will starve to death over a three-month period of time. And that doesn't even include the increased starvation due to the coronavirus. So it doesn't even account for the people who are going to starve. It's all just the people who are already starving. You're making them starve more. <laughs> but you're so fucking moral by not wanting to talk about anything but the virus, right? Well, can you go at the same time? We can do it. <laughs> not. Um... So according to the the WFP, the 10 countries with the worst food, food uh the worst food crisis in 2019 were Yemen, and I've been fucking screaming about Yemen for years now. I wish people would just start paying attention to the atrocities that are going on in Yemen right now. Um Congo, Afghanistan, Venezuela, uh Ethiopia, South Sudan, Syria, Sudan, Nigeria, and Haiti. You know, basically just a bunch of these places that we are fucking um that we're that we're having wars in that we're, we're being interventionists in, you know, all those places are fucking starving because, I mean, we're blockading them. We're not allowing resources to come into their to their countries. We're bombing them, guys. Like, you don't realize how unethical this is as a country. Um, Beasley said in many countries, the food crisis is a result of conflict. Absolutely. And I've been talking about it for years, which people would pay attention. Maybe if maybe something good comes out of this, maybe people will pay attention now. You know, maybe if... And I hate to say it, maybe if people really start starving from this and it becomes a real a real story, people will actually start paying attention to Yemen. You know, I guess if I just said Yemen was a virus, people would start fucking looking at it. Um, but he, he said he raised a, a uh, prospect of um, a hunger pandemic because, quote, there's also a real danger that more people could... This is an important statement, guys, here, right? Quote, there is also a real danger that more people could potentially die from the economic impact of COVID-19 than from the virus itself. So let me ask you a, a blatant question, a point blank. If more people died from the economic impact of locking everything down than would die if we just left everything opened, would you think that's still the right move? 
Whose lives do you value more? The people starving because of the lockdown or the people who may potentially catch a virus with a 90, almost a 99% survival rating? Which one is it? Can it be both? Can maybe we just say, okay, maybe we thought about this the wrong way. Maybe we shouldn't force people to stay in their home, but then, but you know, um, suggest people social distance and suggest people stay in their home and let people make choices. Because, you know, uh, if I was going to starve to death, my choice would be I want to go out and fucking work. I want to go out and produce. I want to be able to, I want to be able to at least get food somehow into my country. That's way more important to me than a virus would be. So you have to look at it as what's more important to you and what's more important to that person. And everyone's, that's the, that's the greatest thing about life, guys. That value is going to be different for every individual. That's why individualism is so important than group, the, uh, group think. Because everyone values whatever's happening in their life more. It's just a reality of it. So if I value going out, as long as I'm doing the right thing, and, and you don't have to, like I said, if you're worried about catching it, then stay the fuck in the house. Like, you don't have to go out. That's the problem. It's like, you're mad. Here's what it's really about. You're mad that somebody else is going out and enjoying their life and you're afraid. And so you don't want them to be outside because you're afraid. So you want to force them into their home so that they can be afraid too. Because you don't want to feel left out. You're the selfish one. I know you're turning around and be like, you're selfish. No, no, no. You're the selfish one. Because you want everyone to have the same crippling fear that you have of something that literally has a 99% survival rating. 99% survival rating. And there's new studies coming out. And they're coming out almost daily. We'll, we'll actually touch on this. I want more I want more, uh, I want more. research to come out. I want more studies to come out. But um, it turns out, there's a, <laughs> turns out that a lot of people already have the antibody. They're finding that a ton of people have already been affected, a.k.a. means they've been asymptomatic. Meaning that the uh, meaning that the mortality rate has already been lowered. Stanford University just came out and they said at, at max it's going to be 0.2 to 0.1 is now going to be the new mortality rate according to these new studies. Now I don't know if you know I don't know if you know anything, but 0.1 is flu mortality rate. So there you go. And we're also learning that ventilators seem to be uh, more of a problem than they are helping. So there's your government jumping the gun again. We got hundreds of thousands of ventilators now um, that are going to be useless. Uh, so is that all we got from that? Is that all we got from that? Uh, uh, the 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 WFP chief said lockdowns and economic recessions are expected to lead to major income losses for the working poor. For the working poor. That's a that's a. Because I know you think everyone, oh, anyone that just wants to make money is rich. <laughs> Dude, there's poor people that need money too, guys. You understand that, right? Like poor people are the worse off actually because they need to continue to make money because they don't got a little, uh, a little fucking, um, they don't, they're not sitting in a fucking mansion like all these celebrities who I keep seeing on TV. So out of touch with reality. Just stay home for everybody. We're in this together. We're in this together as you got fucking you know, you're, you're in, you're in like a, a 10,000 square foot mansion. You got a pool, tennis court, basketball court. You got butlers. You got people cooking for you. And then other people are locked in like a 500 square foot apartment with no income. 
can't even get their fucking uh, unemployment benefits. Most dude, there's states. If you look at these states, man, there's like mo- there's thousands of people who haven't even who've been laid off for a month now and have not even been given any uh, unemployment benefits yet. It's happening in my state all over the place. People still not approved for unemployment, waiting still. What are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to fucking eat? Oh, just stay in. Don't worry. You're 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 doing your patriotic duty by staying in, by staying in to fucking die. You know what it's really about? It's because these rich people don't want to get sick. You, you ever you ever fucking think about that one? It's the rich people that want to make sure that they're not fucking in danger. So they want you to stay in to make sure that their lifestyles continue on the same. Because nothing changes for them. There's they got no problems. They're not running into financial situations. They got no problem paying the rent. They got no problem getting food. Uh, this dude pointed out uh, a sharp drop in overseas uh, remittances that will uh, hurt countries such as Haiti, Nepal, and Somalia. A loss of ter- uh, tourism revenue, which, for example, will damage Ethiopia, where it accounts for 47% of total exports. And the collapse of oil prices, now I don't even know if you've seen this, I've been talking about the oil price war for a while. Um, oil is a negative. They'll pay you to take oil right now. That's how fucking, there, there's ships just all over the ocean right now. And if you want to talk about uh, um, environmental risks, there's a big one. Got a bunch of fucking uh, oil tankers just chilling out in the sea, just waiting to hope they don't fucking spill over. Uh, but it's like negative $100 a barrel or something fucking crazy like that right now which means they'll pay in reality that they won't, but in reality, they'll pay you a hundred dollars to take a barrel of oil from them. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, dude. Um, but this hurts countries, right? Cause there's a lot of, so oil is a, a commodity. It's a world commodity. So it, it's based on a world price. And it's based on the U S dollar. It's why the dollars remain strong. It's one of the reasons why the dollar remains strong. I should say. Um, so, you don't get to control the price for just your country. Venezuela tried that. That's why they went poor. Um, but so if you were normally, if you were selling oil for $70 a barrel and people were buying it, that was the revenue for your country, these high oil export countries, right? So now that it's negative a hundred, they literally have to pay you to fucking take it from them. They're going to, they're literally going to go broke and they're going to starve to death. So Ethiopia, uh, not Ethiopia, I'm sorry. Um, South Sudan, for instance, for instance, they're a they're a uh, oil exporter, and this is going to have significant in, impact on lower income, um, on these lower income countries because ninety nine percent of their revenue comes from oil exports in South Sudan. So if you can't sell oil no more, what do you think happens to South Sudan? What do you think is going to happen to those people? Eh, no big deal. Virus, there's a virus, guys. You can't talk about those people. Duh. Gotta save us. Um, as the UN's logistics backbone, Beasley said WFP has played a major role tackling COVID-19 by delivering millions of pieces of protective equipment, testing kits and face masks to 78 countries on behalf of the World Health Organization and by running humanitarian uh, air services to get doctors, nurses, and humanitarian staff into countries that need help. He urged greater humanitarian access, coordinated action to deliver aid um, and end to trade disruptions uh, and accelerated the increased funding um, 
included $350 million to set up a network of logistic hubs and transport systems to keep supply chains running worldwide. He says, quote, the truth is, we do not have time on our side, so let's act wisely and let's act fast, Beasley said, quote, I do believe that with our expertise and partnerships, we can bring together the teams and the programs necessary to make certain the COVID-19 pandemic does not become a humanitarian food crisis catastrophe. Um, I'm going to throw it out. I'll go on the limb. I just don't, I don't, I think that's going to happen. I've already, I've been talking about it. It's already happening here. Um, the supply chains are, and it's a weird thing to see because you see milk being poured out. You see vegetables going rotten and you're like, how is there a supply? How is there a problem getting food to people when there's excess food? And well, this was, this is what happens. This is what happens when the government tries to plan shit because there's too many moving parts. So what, and, and when government's involved in regulations, you can't do anything without the government telling you it's okay to do it first. Okay. So what happens is a lot of this food is for schools, it's for restaurants, it's packaged difference, it has different regulations. So these things can't go to stores. They can't sell them to direct consumers either. Like I can't go to a meat packing place and buy meat. Why is that? Well, because the FDA says that's a no-no and it has to be packaged for a store, has to be sold in a store. That's your government stopping supply chains. So what's happening is, all this food's going bad now because it's nowhere to go. They can't sell it. Direct, farmers can't sell it directly to consumers. They no longer can sell it to restaurants who've been forced to close. Schools have been forced to close. So it's just going bad. So it's just going bad. So the problem is now what's going to happen to all this food? Where is it going to, like, who, and then who, next, next, it's the next season that's going to be the problem, the regrowing of the food. How much do they grow? Do they, now do they grow too little or do they grow too much again? Are they going to have workers to be able to work these farms? No one fucking knows. It's all up in the air. And then when you blocked worlds, uh, the trading between countries, you blockaded supplies going into other countries. Iran, for instance, they're not allowed to get any aid coming in because we got, um, we got block, block, blockades on imports, just like in Yemen via war. So they're going to starve. Right, they can't get no supplies. They can't even get medical supplies in. Fucking crazy, guys. Government's just out of control right now. They're completely out of control. I think they're lost. Honestly, I don't think they have any idea what they're doing. I think they fucked up. I think they went too fucking gun ho on this shutdown, and now they're trying to reopen it. And they're looking at it and they're like, "Well, how do we do it?" There's so many fucking moving parts that we have to get back, like get back running, and they don't know where to start. And I don't blame them. It's so fucking complicated. They don't know what the fuck to do. And I, man, we're, a lot of people are going to suffer. A lot of people are going to suffer coming up. Um, uh, Elon Omar just introduced a bill that will allow the government to seize your properties, guys. Come on. You don't, you don't think that they're, hold on. You guys don't think that the government's using this pandemic to completely expand their fucking powers over you? Yeah, okay. She introduced a bill that would allow the government to seize your properties and uh and that and and that might be the least draconian measure in this entire bill. Now give me one second, I'm gonna pull it up again. Uh, I'm pulling this fucking up real quick. All right. You guys gotta hear this. This is fucking insanity right here to me. So uh 
it started with the movement to cancel um, rent and mortgages, right? Due to the coronavirus pandemic, which is all right. I, I get it. I get, I get the theory behind that. And that makes sense, right? If, okay, if you want to talk about that, that's one thing. But here's the problem. That's not what this bill does. So it's not just a bill that, hey, you're suspending your rent for, for a month or two or your mortgage for a month or two. No, no, no. It's putting in a whole new government apparatus to fucking steal private property and to turn private homes and private rental facilities into government housing. Yep. Because, you know, the projects was a great success for America. Um, so here's the here's the article and it says the movement to cancel rent during the COVID-19 pandemic is, is going national. On Friday, uh, Rep. Elon Omar from Minnesota, she introduced what is called the Rent and Mortgage Cancellation Act which does what the title suggests and much, much more. That's how they get you guys. They throw you this one. So the title of this bill is the Rent and Mortgage Cancellation Act. Everyone's like, yeah, that sounds fucking great. So let's see what it is, right? Um, so this legislation, and it's being co-sponsored by, of course, the squad. So you got um, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez. You got Rashida Tlaib. You got uh, uh, Ayanna Presley um, alongside with three other progressive Democrats and a bevy of left-wing activist groups, because, you know, it's always fun when the activist groups get involved in our legislation. Because um, I, I know you guys would love fucking the right the right extreme, the extreme on the right activist groups. I know you, the alt-right, I know you would love them to get involved in our in our policies, right? Of course you wouldn't, but you love it when the fucking extreme uh, left-wing activist groups get involved in our legislation. Then you cheer it. Then you cheer it. Um, I just wish people would just be consistent. How about we just not allow none of these fucking jokers to have any say in our legislation? How about that? Can we just be consistent? Can you be principled for half a second? That's the problem. Nobody's fucking principled. There's zero principle. That's why you need to be a libertarian. We're the most principled motherfuckers on the face of this earth. Um, and, and so this bill would cancel rent and mortgage payments for the entire country regardless of income or payment level. That means millionaires, billionaires, they're all going to get rent-free, guys. Um, the rent and mortgage suspension would only apply to primary residents and would remain in effect until a month after the end of national emergency president um, Donald Trump declared on March 13th. Tenants and homeowners would not have to make payments on leases or mortgages during that whole time, nor could their landlords or lenders use the failure to pay as a cause for eviction or foreclosure. Now that sounds reasonable. I'll, I'll grant it. It sounds reasonable. I'll see nothing wrong with at least having this discussion. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, putting a bill like that forward. I have no problem with that. That, that sounds reasonable. It sounds like a reasonable thing to discuss at the bare minimum. Right. But it goes further. So in addition to, uh, uh, tenants and, uh, to in, in addition, tenants and homeowners could not be charged late fees or penalties nor could they have their credit score uh, scores downgraded. Okay, great. People who feel they've suffered an adverse action, okay, that's what they put in quotes, for exercising these protections could sue their landlords or mortgage lenders in federal court for damages. Now, there's nothing specific. It's just saying that if you feel you've suffered adverse action, so if you just don't like your landlord, or you feel they're treating you a little differently, you can now you can legally sue them now in federal court for damages. 
not only that, but the attorney general would also be empowered to take civil action against property owners and mortgage lenders for violating renters and homeowners rights under the act. So not only could you not have to fucking declare it, but just if, you know, if the attorney general gets a whiff or they feel like they want to come down on somebody, maybe not doing what they want them to do, they they can sue them also, right? Violators could be hit with a $5,000 fine for the first offense, $10,000 fine for the second offense, and landlords who violate the act three or more times could be fined $50,000 and could have their properties seized by the government. You know that thing you bought for, that you own, your property. You don't own property in America, guys, as much as you think you do. That's why you pay taxes on it. Government owns your shit still. And they'll take it at the fucking first. You give them a little bit of power, they'll be willing to take it as fast as they can. Um, Now, that means that the government could snatch up a landlord's rental property just for reporting three tenants who didn't pay their rent to a credit uh, reporting agency. Think about that. Think about how crazy that is. Now, these are all extreme measures with Omar argued are justified by the extreme circumstances of COVID-19 pandemic. That's all you need to know in reality, because this is what they do. These are extreme measures, she said, but they're justified because this is an extreme circumstances. So all the government really has to do is put an extreme circumstance to make you afraid, and then they can take whatever they want. They can just say, well, we got to take extreme measures. We got to act bold. We got to act now. We got to act fast. She said, Congress has a responsibility to step in to stabilize both local communities and the housing market during this time of uncertainty and crisis. Congress has a responsibility to step in to stabilize both local communities and housing markets during this time of uncertainty and crisis. Where in the Constitution does it say that? Don't worry, I'll wait. Come on, you guys. You guys were holding up your fucking pocket constitutions throughout the entire months of January and February, quoting Alexander Hamilton of all fucking people and the Bill of Rights and how um, we got to follow this fucking constitution, how important it is, right? And then as soon as, <laughs> and then as soon as that little fucking joke fest is over, ah, we don't care about the fucking constitution no more. Remember? Remember the New Jersey governor? Ah, I didn't even think about the Bill of Rights. Ah, come on. It's above my pay grade. It's funny how they use the Constitution when it's uh, convenient for them. But nowhere, nowhere in the Constitution does it say Congress has a responsibility to step in to stabilize local communities and housing market. They just they absolutely do not have the authority. Um, and she said that in a press release. She also said in 2008, we bailed out Wall Street. This time, it's time to bail out the American people who are suffering. Now, that I agree with. But there's a little problem because homegirl... You already fucking voted to bail out Wall Street. You've already bailed out Wall Street. Unanimously bailed out. Go back and listen to that uh, Thomas Massey episode. You voted unanimously to fucking uh, uh, bail out Wall Street. Done it multiple times in multiple bills now. In fact, you've given more to what way? You've given like 10 times the amount to Wall Street than you did to the American people already. So you're coming in fucking at a... a, a What's the uh, a dollar late and a dime short, or or whatever the fuck that saying is, right? And, and so now you're using, oh well, in 2008 we helped Wall Street. Now we need to help the American people. So okay, why didn't you take that for that six that six fucking trillion dollar bill we just passed? Why did why did you why did you write in Wall Street into that then? 
if you're worried about the American people and not Wall Street. You're a fucking liar. That's the problem. You're a liar. You care way more about these fucking corporate interests than you ever will lead on to be. You're in bed with these same corporate interests. You're a statist. So you want the fucking state to own corporations and businesses. So you happily give them money so that they're fucking beholden to you and your authority. That's the whole fucking name of the game. That's the whole fascist name of the fucking game, guys. But now they're going to throw you some crumbs. But it's really what it's about. It's not about helping you. It's not about helping you, the American people. It's about them being able to seize more power and more property and taking more shit from you that they can then control to in the guise of helping the American people. Because we'll just wait. Just wait Wait. how crazy this fucking starts getting, right? Um. So, so one of the common criticisms, real quick, of the rent and mortgage forgiveness policies is that they just pass on the cost of housing to rental um, property owners and lenders who have their own bills to pay, right? Which makes sense. To that end, Omar's legislation would create two funds to compensate, compensate landlords and mortgage lenders for any income they lose as a result of her bill. But this money would come with a lot of strings attached, okay? So this is, this is the fucking games they play, guys. Now, in order to be eligible for these relief funds for landlords and shit who have to now give you rent for free on these homes that they probably pay a mortgage for in order to get theirs, um, in, in order to stop their payments, they got to abide by some rules that the government makes for them. So in order, order to be eligible for these relief funds, landlords couldn't raise rent for five years. They would also not be allowed to discriminate against tenants based on their credit score or criminal history during the same five-year period. So if, you know, if, if you've uh, not paid your rent in five years, if you destroyed homes, if you're a criminal, yeah, you can't take that into consideration. Got to let them into your home anyway at a discounted rate. Um, and if you turn them in, uh, they'll steal your property and fine you, the taxpayer, non-criminal fucking citizen. Think about how crazy this is, right? Um, so where am I at? Uh, according to the summary of the bill put out by Omar's office, landlords making use of these relief funds would also have to give tenants a 10% equity stake in their properties. Think about that. So then if I come in, I become a 10% owner. If I rent from you, I automatically become a 10% fucking owner of your building. I put nothing into this. I put no resources. I put no labor. I put no monetary uh, funds into this building. And you're going to be forced to rent to me. And I'm going to get a 10% fucking equity stake. Think of how fucking crazy that is, bro. Hold on, it gets worse, guys. This ain't this ain't over yet. This bill gets fucking more draconian and fucking goofy as we go on. A relief fund for mortgage lenders would also be created and would come with requirements to report detailed lending data to federal housing authorities. Both funds would be administered by the Department of Housing and Urban Development, which is called HUD. Excuse me. The bill would create, this is crazy, guys. A new affording housing acquisition fund. You'd be like, well, what are they going to act? What are they going to acquire? This fund would give money to government entities. So basically the government and nonprofits. So any government, any, any nonprofit that works with the government to buy up private buildings 
and convert them to income-restricted affordable housing. To facilitate these purchases, property owners would have to notify HUD when they intend to sell a rental property and then um, and then give low-income housing providers 60 days to make an offer on their building. So not only do you have to live by these draconian measures, and then let's say, let's say you don't want to, and you're like, man, I just, I don't, fuck it. I'm just going to sell my property. I'm just going to sell it. Instead of you being able to go out and sell it to who you want, a fair value for whatever you want, no, you have to notify the fucking government. This new authority they're going to make you have to notify the government that you're going to sell their property and you have to give them the first rights to buy it, their offer. So you got to give them 60 days. So you got to sit on it for two months. You got to pay your mortgage for two months. You got to pay the bills for two months. And you got to wait for them to make a fucking offer. That's not authoritarian. That's not draconian at all, guys. Nah. Nah, nothing to see here, guys. And this is all a game. They've been wanting to do this for a while. Um, but it gets worse. It gets worse. Because anyone who did purchase a property through the HUD's affordable housing fund, right? So let's say I run a nonprofit and I want to buy this. And here's here's where they get you because none, no, none, no nonprofit is actually going to do this because of these next stipulations. So really what's going to happen is going to be just the government buying these properties. And then you become the government slave. Because listen to this. This is how they're going to give, this is how they're going to end up giving you everything for free. This is the fucking the cheese and the mousetrap. So anyone who did purchase a property through HUD's affordable housing fund would have to agree to provide tenants, guys, with free wraparound services, which include healthcare, childcare, employment, and education assistance, and also financial uh, literacy education. So think about how fucking weird this is. So the government's going to come in, buy this property. I'm going to come in and rent it for them at below market value. Okay? Below market value. Way below what the what the normal market would charge for this rent. And then as my stipulation of being a tenant, you're going to be forced to give me free health care. You're going to have to give me free child care. So you have to watch my bratty kids. You're going to have to fucking provide me with a job. What, am I going to be the fucking super of my own apartment? You're going to pay me just to sit in my apartment and be a super? And can I still send my kids? You're going to have to offer me education assistance. You're going to have to offer to pay for some of my college if I want to go to school. And on top of it, you're going to teach me financial literacy. First of all, if you're giving me free health care, free child care, you're giving me a job, and you're going to let me go to school for free, the fuck do I need financial literacy for? You're doing it all for me. What what purpose would financial literacy be to me? <laughs> Dude, this is the fucking God be the dumbest bill I think I've ever heard in my life, right? Now, one might ask themselves, you know, how exactly free financial literacy classes at federally funded public housing fits into, you know, an emergency response for uh, to the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, the answer is it quite doesn't. Rather, it appears that Omar is using the pandemic and the swell of support for rent cancellation um, that it's created as a vehicle for enacting her ambitious pre-existing housing policy goals. Much of what's included in Omar's bill appears uh, appears borrowed from the one trillion public housing legislation that she introduced in November of last year. 
So this is what they're doing, guys. They're using your fear. They're using this pandemic to push through their um, legislation that they couldn't do because there was an election, guys. So they don't have the ability. They don't have the um, political um, fortitude right now to pass these legislations. They don't have enough votes from the people. They don't have the mandate from the people via the vote to pass these fucking legislations. So what they're going to do, they're going to use a pandemic to do it in the guise of a pandemic. And they're going to slip it in. They're going to slip it in with something that you really need. And they're going to be like, well, if you don't vote for this, you just want people to die. That's the whole fucking game, bro. So to summarize, her bill would literally eliminate landlords' ability to earn income from their properties and then attach a number of incredibly costly conditions for accessing relief funds. Landlords who balk at the bailout conditions, um, Omar uh, proposes, but who can't afford to earn $0 for the duration of the uh, coronavirus emergency would be left with the option of selling their properties. When they do buy their properties on the market, they'd first be required to offer them to low-income housing providers who'd be receiving general, generous federal aid to snap up these units. And you know who pays for that? You know who really pays for these units? The American taxpayer. It's taxpayer money. So the middle class now then pays for it via their taxes. Um, this is all incredibly coercive, not to mention constitutionally dubious. It also It's also widely um, impractical from a fiscal perspective. Uh, the federal government's cu- currently looking at a quadruple $3.8 trillion budget deficit this year, guys. $4 trillion budget deficit. We spent $4 trillion more dollars than we brought in this year. That's about, that's a normal, that's, that's been the average, we've been averaging about $1 trillion for the last 12 years, running a deficit. We're going we're gonna to do $4 trillion deficit this year, guys, already. And that's according to estimates from the Committee of Responsible Federal Budget. All right, there's a little bit more to the story, but that's all I got. Um, this went way long. It's an hour and ten. Actually, this wasn't even the heart of the. Uh, this wasn't even the heart of the uh, the episode. This was going to be an episode on mo- the monetary destruction of America. And I was going to transfer a uh, transition from that story to that, but um, I'll go ahead and do that this weekend. I'll, I'll just do it separately because that's a very it's a very it's something pretty long that I put together. Um, and this is already an hour and ten minutes, so I don't want to go any further. Uh, with that, guys, I'm gonna leave you. Uh, I'm gonna leave you here, and uh, please, guys, just just open your mind to the possibility that we are creating a lot of harm the other way from this lockdown. Don't let don't let your uh, politicians get away with this shit. You, it's you, it's you, the people that need to step up and say this ain't right. This is too much. We don't want that. If you want to give us money and help us out, fine, but slow your fucking roll on these other on these other projects. Okay? Let's let's worry about getting testing funded. Let's get tests in the hands of every American people. Um let's let's work on how we're going to get how we're going to get people jobs, how we're going to get these supply chains back um back up and running. That's what we should be focusing on. That's what our Congress should be focusing on, not passing these fucking draconian bills, not worrying about a drone that's going to be fucking taking your temperature. Not worrying about setting up text messaging uh, like like Mayor uh, De Blasio did in New York, set up a text messaging number where you can take a picture of your uh, of your neighbors not social distancing and sending it to them, so they can come and fucking arrest these people and find them. But let's let's not worry about that shit. Let's tell our government to stop that shit and worry about the fucking problems at hand, right? Which looks like it's going to be hunger and starvation and poverty, as well as mental health 
um, abuse and alcohol and drug abuse. That just seems to that just seems to be where we're headed right now. That seems to be the biggest um, come out of this of this whole pandemic is the increases in that. Okay, so we need to just it's time we just stop and fucking have a legit talk about it. Um, all right, guys, we'll be back in a few more days uh, with that monetary destruction. In the meantime, tell your friends, share the episodes, speak the truth, promote liberty, buck the establishment, and don't kiss your mother. I'll catch you on the flip side. You have just witnessed the lyrical stylistics of chromatic distortion. Let's do it. Comes, I go get live with the honey. Rolling down the street, I saw this girl when she was pumping. I wake my eyes, got into the ride, went to a club, was jumping. Introduced myself as low, she said, You're a liar. I said, I got it going on, baby doll, and I'm a fire. Took it to the hotel, she said, You're the king, so be my queen if you know what I mean. And let's do the wild thing. I said, hopefully if things go well, I'll be with you tonight. So we journeyed to a house. One thing led to another. I get in the door, I go hit the floor, looked up, and it was a mother. I didn't know what to say. I was hanging by a string. She said, hey, you too. I was once like you, and I like to do the wild thing. Wild thing. She loved to do the wild thing. Wild thing, please, baby, baby, please. Posse in effect, hanging out is always hype. And with me and the crew leaving shindig, I'm with a girl who's just my type. Saw this luscious little frame, I ain't lying, felt she was fine. This sweet young Miss Cole gave me a kiss, and I knew that she was mine. Took her to the limousine, and still parked outside. I tipped the show, but when it was over, and I gave her my own ride. Didn't get her off my jock, she was. I like static cling, but that's what happens when body starts slapping from doing a wild thing. Wild thing. She wanna do the wild thing.
your show at the local discotheque. Just find your chick was on my jock, so I said, what the heck? She wanted to come on stage and do a little dance. So I said, chill for now and maybe later, you'll get your chance. So when the show was finished, I took her around the way. And what do you know, she was good to go without a word to say. We was all alone and she said, Tone, let me tell you one thing. I need $50 to make you holler. I get paid to do the wild thing. Say what? Yo, love, you must be kidding. Yo, walk you ready? Just break out of here. I'm still a beast, stop, baby. 